This is a broadcast of SmallCapVoice.com, a financial communications and investor relations firm. SmallCapVoice.com receives payment for investor relations and financial consulting services that it provides to its clients. You should assume that officers, directors, and employees of SmallCapVoice.com or financial analysts mentioned and their families hold a position and intend to trade in these securities for their own accounts. This is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, an investment in the featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This broadcast does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by smallcapvoice.com as to completeness or accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. You're wired in smallcapvoice.com. Following is a presentation of smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support. Now, with your online business briefing, smallcapvoice.com's Stuart T. Smith. Welcome one, welcome all to another online business briefing brought to you by smallcapvoice.com. And as you just heard, I'm your host, Stuart Smith, and you know we're going to shine a spotlight on some of the smartest and freshest plays here in the markets today. Now, to that end, we are speaking with, again, the company Q Biomed. Now, Q Biomed Incorporated is traded on the OTC QB under the ticker symbol QBIO. I would like you to visit their website as you listen along to this interview. It is Q Bio med.com we're lucky enough to be joined once again by the chief executive officer of the company dennis corin dennis how are you today Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's great to have you back. I got to tell you, there has been so much going on with your company since we last spoke to you in 2019. You've been prolific with your news flow, and late in 2019, you announced the FDA approval of your non-opioid cancer palliation drug. I know you mentioned that QBio had been anticipating that move for some time, so let's start there. Since you had the approval, how have things developed with your Strontium 89 for the treatment of metastatic bone pain. Yeah, thanks, you're right. It has been a very busy year, I think, since we last spoke. Uh, we were, at that point, anticipating approval of our, uh, or FDA approval of our manufacturing facility that we've been working on for, I guess it was almost two years by the time it was approved. So just to be clear, the drug itself was already approved, and we were working to get a new facility approved to manufacture the drug uh, in the United States. We had acquired also the branded version of the drug from GE Healthcare at the end of 2018, and they subsequently shut down manufacturing of that drug in Europe. So we're now the only manufacturer of Strontium 89 in sort of the Western world. So uh, you know, we were thrilled to get that approval. As with most things in biotech, it took a little longer than we had hoped uh, or anticipated. But since then, it's been a very, very busy time for us gearing up to full-scale production and manufacturing, uh, putting our whole commercial plan into action, which we've been developing for the past two years. And we're now, I'm very pleased to report that uh, we know we're now a revenue-producing company. We've just completed our first full production run. We did a small uh, sort of pilot run in February. Uh, we did dose a patient out of that run as well in early March. Thankfully, he's 
doing much better, which is very, very gratifying. But we have a full uh, production run completed now and doses available to uh, get into the U.S. market uh, immediately. We're working on not only U.S. marketing and, and commercialization, but looking for ways to get access to Europe and the rest of the world with this very important drug uh, as quickly as possible as well. Well, listeners and investors who may not be familiar with the company, I want you to touch on the news here in 2020 that came out January 7th, February 13th, and March 12th that goes over this. And Dennis, very early on in what I'll call the saga at that time, the coronavirus saga that would evolve into a global health pandemic, QBIO made a major announcement about work being done with its research partner, Manon Research Incorporated. You know, the combined efforts of your two companies was to develop a potential adjunct treatment for various infectious diseases, just like the coronavirus. And your recent news has highlighted the urgency for the rapid development of novel drugs for the treatment of life-threatening complications caused by COVID-19 and other viral infections. Can we get an update from you as the CEO, as well as an overall overview of QBIO's work in this area? Yeah, you know, of course, COVID has, has sort of put an acute spotlight on the, on the need for drugs that treat or can help ameliorate the severe effects of respiratory complications caused by infectious diseases like COVID-19, you know, H1N1, SARS, for example, pneumonia, even your every year seasonal influenza, you know, in a bad year has killed more people than COVID-19 on an annual basis. So there's definitely a need for better therapeutics in this space. And the TIE2 platform that uh, we've licensed and are working on with Manon uh, has very broad applicability in essentially any leaky vessel disease. So this is, you know, a really interesting story that led to the discovery of this platform, and it was actually first being studied in kidney disease by world-renowned nephrologist Dr. Sue Quagan. And uh, she saw that when she induced kidney disease in the animals that she was studying, uh, they developed very severe glaucoma, and then when treated, their glaucoma essentially disappeared completely. Uh, so she shifted her focus to, you know, use this, this therapeutic to treat glaucoma because essentially glaucoma is also caused by a leaky vessel. It's just a very tiny leaky vessel in the eye that causes the eye to leak fluid into the eye and swell and then push on the optic nerve, which then damages the optic nerve and causes glaucoma or blindness. So this potential platform has then been investigated to see how it can work on any of the other leaky vessels. She was studying it in kidney now got great data in kidney injury. She's studying in glaucoma, which we've developed quite significantly. It's got applicability in cardiovascular diseases, but also in the leaky vessels that result in acute respiratory syndrome or distress syndrome when you're suffering from influenza, pneumonia, or COVID-19. Because in this case, the leaky vessels are in your lungs, and your lungs start to fill with fluid. And that's when you see these patients have to be intubated and put on ventilators and where the, the poorest of outcomes uh, occur for the patients affected by COVID-19. So there's been a lot of interest in this platform. How do we develop a therapeutic? Uh, how do we get it into the clinic as quickly as possible under some of these COVID responses that are being put out for RFP and RFI by governments and uh, different institutions around the world? Because it's not enough just to have a vaccine to test for the drug, or, to, or not to test, but to... Uh, vaccinate for the drug but uh, for the disease but once people are infected how do you improve their outcomes and how do you ensure that the, the most frail patients or those that are hospitalized don't end up dying from the complications caused by it so we need uh, therapeutics as well and this platform looks particularly interesting 
announced that the applicability of this uh, platform in the COVID-19 or infectious diseases early on in the year. Uh, we've been working on focusing it specifically around COVID as well. And then uh, very recently, you know, a couple of days ago, we announced that some governments around the world have, have sort of geared this up and targeted it for rapid development uh, funding and uh, accelerated uh, programs to get through the regulatory uh, processes required to get a, a treatment for COVID using our platform into the clinic, hopefully before the end of this year. So it, this is something that's, you know, I think desperately needed, obviously around the world. But even as these pandemics come and go, and I'm a firm believer that COVID will go eventually, it may resurge as the flu season comes on again later in the year, and it may come back next year. But every single year we have an influenza outbreak around the world that kills, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And uh, we need therapeutics to help address that, and this is definitely one of those. So we're, we're very pleased to be contributing to the global fight against COVID and be bringing therapeutics, uh, hopefully, into the clinic and to these patients as quickly as possible. But we also think this is applicable for um, other infectious diseases that uh, recur on an ongoing basis. Well, that is incredibly fascinating stuff. And with that, let's change gears just a little bit and talk about the corporate side of things. If you would tell the listeners and your shareholders about the recent addition to your leadership team, talk a little bit about who is Jeff Fatsinger and then what the motivation was to bring him on board. Yeah, so actually we've got, we announced two additions to our team in the last couple of weeks. The first is actually Kristen Keller, who came on as our chief commercial officer. Uh, Kristen comes from uh, a long background, very successful background, working with all the major pharmaceutical companies in brand and product development, product launches, marketing, advertising, etc. cetera. Uh, and we're thrilled to have her as our chief commercial officer. She brings just an absolute wealth of knowledge. She's already been instrumental in building out our commercial plans, all of that branding, advertising, everything that goes along with launching a, a drug. So we're thrilled to have her spearheading that um, uh, that part of the company and, and getting the strontium fluoride launched into the market uh, with all of the applicable uh, branding and, and everything else that goes with it. So we're thrilled to have Kristen as part of our management team there. And then we also added Jeff Fatsinger, who has also got you know decades of experience as a global regulatory affairs specialist, not only to help us with our U.S. regulatory work, but more specifically to help us with international regulatory work, because we know that strontium-89 is not just a U.S. applicable drug, it's a non-opiate palliation drug for cancer patients with metastatic disease in the bone, and that's prevalent across the world. There are 10 million patients suffering from this around the world, and being a non-opiate, there's a massive desire globally to be sourcing and looking for better therapeutics that don't involve just heavily dosing your patients with uh, with opiates on a daily basis. So Jeff's on, t- on board now to help us uh, gain access to those markets as quickly as possible, through some special programs that are available to us to sort of ship product um, direct to those patients or through physician physician requests to direct those patients around the world, as well as getting into the regulatory process with each of those countries uh, specifically to get the drug approved for sale in those countries as quickly as possible. So, um, you know, not only are we thrilled to have availability of the drug around the U.S. through our partnership with Jubilant Radio Pharma, but also looking at getting access and, and distribution patients suffering from this terrible condition uh, all over the world, hopefully later on this year. Well, excellent. QBIO also announced a key financing recently and an important restructuring to the benefit of the company as well as its shareholders. Can we get your take on that? Yeah, you know, 
we've been around for you know just about five years now, and you know just going through some of the things that are going on. I think it's you know I'm a little biased maybe, but I'm 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 thrilled at the, the development that's gone on in five years, the rapid access to a you know a commercial product and a revenue generating pro- uh, program. Uh, we've raised some capital, obviously, in those five years, um, less than most people would think, given how far we've gotten. I think, uh, but uh, you know, we're looking at the next steps for our as a commercial organization and, and looking to uplift to Nasdaq uh, as quickly as possible. And part of that is um, you know having a good-looking balance sheet uh, and eliminating as much debt as possible. So we've worked with our one of our largest financiers, who's, who's been with us essentially since the beginning. Uh, we've converted out. Um, about uh, $4 million of debt uh, into equity, uh, and we took on a new $4 million in cash as well to support the operations going forward, which basically alleviates the need for us to uh, raise any more capital, certainly for the foreseeable future into early next year, uh, even without generating any revenue. But uh, as I mentioned, we're now a revenue-generating company, and we expect that revenue to grow nicely through uh, the next couple of quarters. So, you know, as a company, I think we're extremely well-positioned very little debt on our balance sheet, a really nice now positive shareholder equity number. Um, these are sort of check boxes that we have to have for an uplisting to NASDAQ. Um, we have, I think, probably close to 8,000 shareholders as well. So, you know, we've, we've got a lot of the boxes checked for that uplisting. Uh, we have our application into NASDAQ with ticker symbol reserve, uh, and we're really working strategically to try and get the company uh, uplisted as quickly as possible and this refinancing uh, and capital raise was uh, a part of that thought process. So um, I, I was very pleased with this transaction. You know, given the state of the world at the moment, um, you know, most investors are fairly nervous about uh, making investments into companies, uh, given COVID and how it's affecting the economy and on a, on a macro level. Uh, so we were really thrilled to have investors that uh, obviously believe in what we're doing in our platform and our ability to execute, and they were prepared to convert their debt to equity as well as putting in another $4 million in equity. Uh, I think really shows confidence in us, our management team, and our ability to you know bring the stroke to market. Absolutely. It's a huge validation for who you are and where you're at right now. Well, wrapping up the interview, let's talk about what is next for QBIO and any goals on the horizon as you see it as the CEO of the company, Dennis. Yeah, you know, I think we've touched on it a little bit as, as we've sort of talked here today. Um, of course, the, the biggest catalyst for us has been getting the FDA approval of our facility, ramping up our production and starting to actually produce drug on a consistent basis and pushing it out into our distribution and ramping up our sales and marketing efforts, which will all happen over sort of the next 60 days or so. Um, and as we see that start to roll out, we'll start to see revenue coming in and we'll start to report revenue numbers on a quarterly basis that certainly I expect to grow quarter on quarter. Uh, and that's always a validation and a good valuator for, um, you know, for companies, uh, even a small, small company like us to have a revenue-producing drug in our pipeline um, is a, a big differentiator when you look at the microcap biotech space. So, you know, we think that's a huge catalyst. We see a lot of value being generated from this drug over the foreseeable future and many years ahead. So, you know, that's that's really driving a lot of the valuation now. I think the next step for Strontium is if you want to call it a 2.0, is our, is our desire and our plans to look at, at putting the drug into the combination with other drugs and showing better outcomes for patients as a therapeutic, potentially. Uh, there's a lot of data to support the fact that this isn't just a pain drug because it's, it's not a pain blocker. It actually works at the site of tumor involvement. So we know that it's sort of therapeutic in its method of action, and we'd like 
sure that the FDA and potentially expand the label from just being a pain drug to being a cancer therapeutic drug. Uh, and then you're going from a, you know, a $200 million potential run rate and revenue, you know, closer to the billion dollar run rate, which uh, most of these cancer therapeutic drugs are in. So that would be a, a, you know, a massive move for us over the next several months as we start to plan that out and make that uh, more public. Of course, the revenue stream will start to generate and drive the value for us as well. And then we have a really deep bench of products in our pipeline uh, that I think will also generate catalysts and value for our shareholders. You know, up until a couple months ago, I wouldn't be talking about having a Manon product in the in the clinic, uh, you know, as early as the end of this year. But now that this, you know, that the COVID pandemic is out and we've sort of gone through an accelerated review and process to get uh, therapeutics into the clinic, we could have two uh, COVID drugs in the clinic before the end of the year as a possibility. I think that would be a big movement and a big catalyst. And then behind that, we have a liver cancer drug uh, that we successfully synthesized last year, which was a major scientific accomplishment. I want to go into the details of that uh, uh, for your audience today, but that was a huge accomplishment. And uh, we'll be putting that drug into the clinic early next year as well. And liver cancer is just an awful disease that's that's really, I think, been neglected a lot, to a large degree in terms of innovation. There have been no really great new drugs brought to the market here for many, many years. And it's one of the only cancers that's still growing in prevalence and incidence around the world. So there's a huge demand for a better therapeutic in liver cancer. And this drug looks like it could be uh, could be just that, showing that it was 10 times better at killing those liver cancer cells in a cell line study uh, compared to the current first-line therapy. Uh, that's a billion-dollar drug. So we see a huge opportunity there, and that just sort of points to the business model here of us looking for under underappreciated drugs or underappreciated opportunities in the biotech space and advancing them to a place where we think that they'll deliver a significant value for us and for our shareholders. So uh, those are coming up in the next uh, 12 months, and, and we think those will generate significant value for us and for our shareholders as we advance them uh, you know, through the stages of development. Well, what a great interview. Thank you so much, Dennis, for your time, your insight, not only into your company, but into the fascinating fields that you work within. We appreciate the updates. We look for great things from you and QBioMed Incorporated here in 2020 and well beyond. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For Dennis Corrin, this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening. Smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support, provides its clients with the highest level of service. Our audio interviews are disseminated to one of the largest opt-in audiences available today. How? We at smallcapvoice.com believe in aligning and affiliating ourselves with other leaders within the investor relations community. By sharing resources, each affiliated firm is made that much stronger and each client is served that much better. Our focus is to identify and provide the very best financial services and solutions available to clients and their shareholders. For more information about our services, please call us at 512-267-2430 or visit us on the web at www.smallcapvoice.com.